Hi, I'm Jez Ralph. And I'm Kath Giles. Welcome to the Tree Radicals podcast, an inquiry into the future for trees, forests and humans. Join us along with experts, innovators and thinkers as we consider what positive action for these life-giving systems might look like. The Tree Radicals podcast is brought to you by Woodland Presents with Timber Strategies. And is one strand of the Tree Radicals inquiry, which starts July 2021 and is open for applications now. So I suppose just to kick off, I guess, um, quick introduction to you and what you do and the Future Trees Trust. My name is Joe Clark. I'm Head of Research at Future Trees Trust. Future Trees Trust is a small charity which is dedicated to the improvement of some of the most commercially important hardwood tree species for timber production. Uh, we select the best examples uh, in stands that we call plus trees and we collect material from these, either in the form of science or seed, where we then establish clonal seed orchards for uh, seed production, or the seed goes into progeny trialling to test the worth of all our plus trees that form the basis of our breeding programmes. I suppose the question is why? So, uh, after the, the, the last World War, the First World War, the Forestry Commission came into being in 2019 to form a strategic reserve of timber because we, we stripped our woodlands through, through the First World War. And they largely did this through um, the use of non-native conifer species. And they were very, very successful in that. And a lot of uh, uh, Brit- British forestry is now centred around Sitka spruce. But nobody's done any work on our broadleaf species, and these are our native species, of course, in Britain. We only have three uh, native conifers, and Sitka spruce obviously isn't one of them. And we, we are a small charity, and we've decided to work on some of the commercially important hardwood species. Uh, we started with ash in the early 1990s, and we also work with oak, both species of oak, sweet chestnut, wild cherry, birch, both species of birch, downy and silver sycamore and a little bit with with walnut um but tree breeding takes a long time we use traditional techniques I, okay there's a there's a couple of points that come out of that that i'm really interested so the, the first one is you started talking about the spruce that's really good. do you think the sicker spruce growing that whole forestry act and the sort of drive to that just single species and six spruce do you think that was a success or a failure? I think early on that was a success because we needed the timber, we needed a resource. It drives the forest industry. I think I, I'm, I'm not a, a, an economist, but I think the, the economics of forestry in England is, is marginal, whereas you know Scotland, they plant a lot of Sitka spruce and they've got a thriving forest industry. So if you're looking, depending on your objectives, if you're looking at a cost benefit analysis um, and a strategic resource uh, and reforestation program then yes I think that was successful Um, and managing trees as a monoculture crop is is obviously much more easy but forestry the same as as everything it's fashionable and things go in cycles and certainly in England um, and to a lesser extent probably Scotland and also Wales broadleaves are definitely on on the up and 
uh, you know, monoculture is just, you know, we, we've learned a lot more today than we knew 50, 60 years ago. And monoculture is not a good way forward in terms of biodiversity, in terms of resilient woodlands. Um, and also mo monocultures are never the way forward because if you get, as we've seen with ash, ash dieback, you get one disease and it can completely wipe out a species. And, and when you've got a monoculture, if, if your species has gone, then you're lost. So successful for its time, not successful now, I would suggest. So what about then? I mean, the obvious next question is, it seems to me that we had the cycle of planting big areas, monocultural plantation of conifer. And then we had this phase of planting just sort of random native broadleaf, sort of more naturalistic planting, um, sort of through the 90s and the thousands, whereas you're promoting a sort of much more considered approach. Do you, do you think that sort of mixed native woodland planting has been a success or a failure? Well, I, I'm not a forester, I'm a researcher. But I think I think um, I think it was ambitious in its objectives. I think it's what the public want. But you know, we we import nearly all our timber jazz, and I think that's a crime. I think we can grow timber, and I think it comes down to your your land use, your management objectives, and what you're trying to achieve. So if if you're dealing with ancient semi-natural woodlands or triple SIs, then that's fine. Just plant mixed broadleaves and it doesn't really matter what you do because the biodiversity values there and timber's not your objective. But when we're faced with planting, you know, the new government targets of 30,000 hectares of new planting a year, <clears throat> which we're woefully not getting anywhere close to hitting, we, we should be planting, I think, mixed and we should be managing it. And you can't just plant, you know, broadleaves particularly need a lot of management. You need to do a lot of pruning if you're going to get timber out. So it, it, it's a tricky one. Right tree in the right place for the right reason and look after it. It is a really tricky one, isn't it? And that sort of, there's a question that comes out of that that I think about quite a lot is that how, how do we better connect forests to connect forests as a society? And it's almost like what you're saying is, this sort of mixed broadleaf planting has been has connected society to forest better, but is perhaps not the best for society. Uh, well, I, I think broadleaves are better than conifers. Broadleaves are our native species, but you can you can forestry is an amazing industry to be in because you know we we look at the environmental crisis today. And forestry can tick so many boxes. It can deliver economically if we let it. It can deliver for climate change, <clears throat> for sequestering carbon. It can deliver for people if we plant uh, sympathetically. Um, and it's a win-win-win. And as long as you know what your objectives are, I, I always think broadleaves broad are better. And it's something that I think about an awful lot. I mean, I think about when we're deciding what to plant, it's mm -hmm. such a, uh, use the term head folk, <laughs> to, to think about you making those decisions for generations time. And you were talking about how you do your research and the clonal varieties and testing and testing and testing, and it's really long term. Um, I just wondered what you sort of thought about 
that that whole long-term decision making how do you know that the varieties you look at and the work you do is right for the point where those trees are going to come to fruition and maturity that's a really tough question i mean that's that's part of forestry isn't it that's um it's, it's always a leap of faith that what you plant is going to be you know profitable at the end of the day um i i subscribe to the don't keep all your eggs in one basket um i think plant lots of different species if if you're planting for timber um quality timber always pays so as as i said forestry is fashionable sometimes pippi oak will be more fashionable but if you grow good quality clean oak you will always sell that at a high price um I, I subscribe also to the using a mix of provenances. Don't just go with your local if you're planting for timber and you're planting resilient woodlands for climate change. Uh, there's been a lot of research done by a lot of people at FR and, and right across Europe showing that if you plant material two, three degrees south of planting site, you can be building in some resilience so that if your local stuff doesn't make it, you've got stuff that's, you know, better adapted to potential future climates. I would also argue plant um, the best quality planting stock that you can have. Sometimes this might have been bred for disease resistance as in the Living Ash Project where we're selecting ash trees tolerant to ash dieback. So I would argue that always plant plant uh, a wide selection of species because that's you know that gives you choices if something comes along and wipes one out plant a large selection of provenances plant the best quality timber uh, uh, planting stock that you can and look after it it always comes down to looking after it you know genetics can give you that extra little bit on the top but you've always got to practice good silviculture but that leads on to the obvious question and i'm going to ask it because i kind of feel like i have to yeah the term native, is it, is it relevant anymore? Well, again, it comes down to your objectives. So if you're in an ancient semi-natural woodland or you're in a triple SI, I think it would be uh, uh, misplaced to plant some notophagus or, or, I don't know, some robinia or some weird conifers. Um, so you, you've got to look at your management objectives and your, your site, what you're trying to do. If you're planting new then um, you can plant other stuff. But there is still a role for native. You know, our, our native species, we know, grow here and adapted here. Um, I think there's a lot of scope for, for non-natives and new species. But depending on your, your site and your, your, you know, your management objectives, I think it would be wrong to be planting some of these weird species or these novel new species into, I don't know, ancient semi-natural woodland, for example. I, I'm going to push you a bit here. If if a species naturally regenerates in the UK, is it not native? I I I think well for sycamore. Let's take sycamore. That's a good example. Is it native or is it non-native? I think the tide is slowly turning on that. We've had a, a long a long period of where sycamore has been deemed non-native, um, but it's been shown to be um, well adapted right across the UK. Uh, it's it's 
naturalized as we, we call that naturalized it, it as you say it, it naturally regenerates itself so i think there's a good cause for it being an honorary native but the the purists would say it's not native because it didn't get here under its own steam after the last ice age um i think there is still a role for natives in in the in as i said the the conservation special areas but i think if a species has shown to be well adapted well I think we should be using it. Okay, so spruce then regenerates fully, seems naturalised all over Dartmoor, certainly. Is that native? No, that's not native. <laughs> we're Sitka spruce. If we're talking about Sitka spruce, that's come from, you know, the Pacific Northwest and Alaska. That is not native, I would argue. As our knowledge of changing climate, as our modelling changes for changing climate do you think the future trees trust would ever expand its range of what it looks at we we are trying to um as we're a small charity we all our funding is charitable funding from um charitable trusts and we get a little bit of funding from from people like defra who support us in the living ash project work but um Tree breeding work and finding trees and bringing them together in breeding populations, it's, it's a lot of work and it costs a lot of money. So we, we have, as I said, we have to find all that funding. But I think there is definitely, definitely a need for things like um, wild service, maybe wild apple, um, some of the maples, you know, the field maple, elm. These species are older. These spe- hornbeam, these species are... are very important species and you know we're trying to plant 30,000 hectares a year we're trying to diversify we're trying to plant resilient woodlands as as a country we need to be diversifying our species choice too and this is this is a challenge and we would definitely like to be doing more in this in this arena but it's a funding issue for us yeah yeah yeah, totally i think across the whole sector really um so yeah and that this might link into this next question we actually is I find the work you do at the Future Trees Trust really interesting and exciting, but then have a problem when it comes to stocking. So if someone asks me, um, where do I get this from? Then I'd, it just seems to be there's a bit of a, bit of a through flow problem. And I suppose it's sort of how, is, is there a problem in, getting the quantity of stock at the quality we need through the nursery sector? How, how do we join up the work you're doing to large-scale 30,000 hectares of planting? Okay, this is a piece of work that we're aware that we need to be doing. We're not... We're not we're, we're really small. We employ three people um, and, and we can't do everything. Um, and we don't own anything. So the landowners own the plus trees. We bring them together and we plant orchards or, or research trials on landowners' land. Um, we have been doing this for 30 years now. We, have, we did have tested material for ash and then ash dieback hit. And, and that was a real blow because that was the first tested material for a broadleaf and then we couldn't use it in the UK. That was quite an amazing achievement. But we do have qualified material for silver birch, for wild cherry and for sycamore. And I think for cherry, we can fully meet the demand for the country. 
birch and sycamore are coming. Um, we've we're plant we we're in the process. We've planted clonal seed orchards for chestnut, and we're nearly finished four for oak, three petraea and one rober. Um, oak and chestnut grow very slowly, so it's going to be a while before the seed is available. But you know, we we've spent over a hundred thousand already trying to establish clonal seed orchards for oak. It's long, slow, expensive work. Um, so the landowners then have these orchards. They own those orchards. Um, we we have MTAs, material transfer agreements, in place where we try and get the material out to industry so that um, the landowner can use a proportion for their own use, but the rest goes to the market. So obviously, Forestart are the main seed merchant in the UK, and a lot of it, it comes through their hands because they stratify the seed. But lots of nurseries can buy improved, qualified seed for cherry, sycamore, and birch from Forestart. So a lot of the uh, nurseries do have access to this material or all nurseries have access to this material a lot of nurseries stock this material but you need to be asking for this material and maybe we've not been as proactive as we should be um, in promoting it we just thought it would yeah sell itself and maybe it's not doing so yeah, yeah. I, I don't it does seem to me to be quite a big problem and perhaps touches on you know, be, before we started recording the interview you made a comment about where the government should be putting its funding or what work the government should be doing. Um, I'd be sort of, yeah, you, I guess, insinuating that perhaps the Future Trees Trust as a charity were doing some of the work that the government might actually be funding, putting words into your mouth. I suppose the question is, do you think, do you think government funding or work should be put into this whole area of the, what are the right trees before they start putting money into large-scale planting? Um, well, <laughs> go be careful what I say. They are putting um, a lot of funding into research. Forest Research do an amazing job. Um, they've done lots and lots of work on new species, um, maybe not quite as much on our existing species, um, you know, looking at patterns of... Um, adaptive variation in some of our species uh, maybe making better use of the species that we do have um, it uh, some more government funding you know it is always nice but everybody's budgets are, are pinched um, and uh, yeah as I said traditionally they've put it into non-native conifers and it's a shame that not and they have supported broadleaves too but not no, nothing like to the scale that they've supported the the, the, the Sitka Spruce programme and, and maybe, I, yeah, I think maybe they should be funding it to a, a better extent. Yeah, okay, yes. I, I feel compelled to ask squirrels. <laughs> the squirrels are always a problem. Every forestry conversation always comes back to squirrels. I, I believe there's quite a lot of research out there looking at contracept contraception for squirrels. Um, and it is a it is a real big problem. I, I've I've lost a research trial to squirrels, which is a crime. Um, but if you've got a landowner who won't do any squirrel control, you, you have to control the squirrels. We've got landowners who spend a fortune just trapping and shooting, um, which is great. But yeah, the government have got to sort this one. You, you know, it's and as soon as you clear your estate of squirrels, of course, you make a vacuum and, and loads more come in. So it's an, a never ending problem. And they 
as we all know, they strip the bark and they do tremendous damage. And it's particularly for broadleaves. If you're trying to grow a quality crop, you just get squirrels in for one year and you, you've wasted your, your efforts. Big problem. Yes, government yeah. must sort it's it. One of those huge landscape level strategic issues that the government could make a real, real impact on, I guess. And deer should also be much, much more controlled. We've got quite a, a hideous deer problem too, haven't we, in England? In the light of all that, the squirrels, the tree breeding, government, the work you're doing, Future Trees Trust. Do you think it's an op optimistic or pessimistic outlook for forestry in the UK? Depends which which day I get out of bed. <laughs> Some days it can be, it can be, it can be daunting because I look at the species we're working with. You know that ash, ash dieback has really devastated our ash population. Chestnut blight is around the corner which is going to be horrific. Um, all the sweeter problems facing oak. Oak is having a really tough time at the moment. Um, squirrels, deer, climate change, tree health of our, all, all our trees in general, it's, it's not great. And then you look at all the partnerships that you, you build up, that you, people you work with, people who are doing amazing things. Um, DEFRA are supporting loads of people to work on ash dieback. Uh, people are looking at genetics of it, um, which is great. There's a whole suite of tools out there that I'm ignorant about, but that they're being used to, to make advances more rapidly than traditional breeding can do. And people like Action Oak, who are bringing together all people working on all aspects of oak tree health, which is an amazing project. And you look at these things that go on and... And then you think, yeah, this is great. This We can make a difference. And we have to keep trying because we don't have an option not to. And, and I think, you know, forestry is a wonderful, uh, a wonderful industry to be in because the people all care passionately and we all want to see it work. And by working together, yeah, you can be, you can be optimistic some days. I, you know, I think it is that passion that keeps me in it. It, it is a properly passionate sector to be in. Yeah. So if there was one radical change in how we operate, that when you're in charge, you could implement, what would it be? I would say that the woodlands have to be managed. When you, we're trying to plant 30,000 new hectares, and I think it's imperative that this is done right. And... We've got to acknowledge that we need more homegrown timber and we've got to plant these woodlands. They have to be managed and they should be using the best quality material available. And if grant funding is being used, those both those things should be an absolute requirement. We can't carry on planting bits of woodland on set aside or whatever and then just taking the grant and walking away. Criminal, criminal, horrific waste of money, pointless. We should be managing this resource, we should be funding it properly, and people should be required to deliver. And we should be growing more homegrown timber. It's on those bad mornings, <laughs> when it's all the, the squirrels and the deer and the, the spruce plantations and the, yeah, lack of funding and everything. What motivates you to carry on? Because you've been doing it for been a Future Trees Trust for a while, haven't you? Nearly 30 years, I yeah. suppose. I did, I did uh, eight years in the Pacific Northwest on, in conifers. 
Um, so when you see so when you see conifers growing how they're supposed to grow, and then you see the Sitka spruce here, you think, oh, really, really? <laughs> but uh, so that's why I'm not so keen on on the conifers here. And then I've done over twenty years here in Britain on broadleaves. Um, woodlands are just so amazing. Right across the globe, woodlands woodlands are, are just brilliant, and they're biodiversity hotspots, aren't they? I mean, a, a native woodland in, in England, it's one of the most biodiverse places that we, we still have. Um, and I, I just love all trees. You try and say, what's your favourite tree? And you look at a tree and you look at a silver birch, you say, oh, that's got to be the most beautiful tree. But then you look at a dog fir, a proper dog fir, and you think, wow, nothing's as good as a dog fir. And the smell of a dog fir is amazing. So I, I just feel privileged to be able to actually do what I do and you think maybe you make a little bit of a difference. Yeah, it is a privilege, isn't it? Uh, I think it is. Yeah. And do you, when you walk into it, if you go out for a walk in the woods, can you, can, do you put aside that sort of whole science side of the work you do? Or is that always part of the beauty you see in the woodland? No, I just look at the trees. You know, with the work I do, I'm looking for tall, straight trees. I'm looking for broadleaves that grow like conifers. But when you go for a walk in the woods, you look at all the old, gnarly, beautiful trees, don't you? That amazing spreading oak tree or that old pollarded beach. And yeah, and you look at the bluebells <laughs> and things. And then you see, oh, God, there's some squirrel damage. <laughs> uh, but, yes, yeah. there's a whole rich seam to explore there about. I mean, that, that's really interesting how your work does one thing and your perception of beauty in the wood is another thing. And it is for a whole subject at a whole different time, I think. But how, how we influence society to sort of find a middle way through all that. We'll be engaging with many more inspiring people, ideas and tree-based practices through the full Tree Radicals inquiry. Check out the details on our website where you can apply now. See the link in the bio.